0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Music, Facts, and Figures, a podcast by Mark and Nacito. I'm Mark Nacito, and this is my first official podcast under my new name. So as you may know, a couple weeks ago, I, me- I mentioned I changed my name to a of my podcast on audio only called Marco at the, at the Darko, which is kind of humorous, and there's a story behind it, but it doesn't make sense, you know? It doesn't follow the line of music. And it sounds kind of raunchy. <laughs> you may think it's like, oh, this is like porn or something like that, but not, not necessarily. So I decided last week when I, when I did a podcast, I was audio only, was the name I, both audio and my YouTube channel, the same. Makes sense, of course, and there's no confusion. Again, it's called Music, Facts, and Figures, a podcast by Mark Inesito. And um, Again, Mark and Oshito. and today's gonna be a busy day. Uh, we can go to May of nineteen sixty-seven. A history of music. In fact, amazingly, a busy month. It's gonna be. We have. It's gonna be like a, a multi-part series. I'm guessing like it's gonna be four, three or four parts of information occurring in May of nineteen sixty-seven. A great, year, a great month in music. Um, albums were being put out uh, bands are being formed whether or not it was they were formed in May I don't know but I decided to announce them in May so that makes sense um, and I had some message in my printer here recently so I got one, one picture printed out the other one's in a printout so I'm going to use my tablet I do apologize if there's a, a glare and the the, the uh, the outcome is not that spectacular, so I, I do apologize for that, really. Um, before we get started, I just want to announce, uh, I'm sure a lot of you may know, the other day Olivia Newton-John passed away. Um, I know she had cancer. I don't know if she can remember the story or not. And I Did she beat it? I don't know. I that what she passed away from? I haven't read yet thoroughly, but I know she passed away. Uh, music icon was in the film Grease, uh, opposite John Travolta. And many great records. My favorite song by her is that kind of has a country western feel to it in a way it came out in the '70s called "Let Me Be There." And I like physical stone. I like some stuff she did in Greece, but um, my personal favorite song is "Let Me Be, Let Me Be There." Excuse me. So, so Olivia Newton John, rest in peace. Let's have a moment of silence, ten seconds for Olivia Newton John, right now. great talent she was a great talent amen so let's get started um before we get started i'm having a ice cold brew at three o'clock in the morning here of course keep it local guys go in colorado mm. cheers oh yeah ice cold brew so may of 1967 what a month that was It's right now. Bet with me on that, please. Let's get started. Uh, Got my files on the phone here, so I can find it here. (laughs) Where are you at? Oh, I know where you're at. I'm I'm excited about this, about me. Okay, before I get started, the sources I use for this podcast, today's podcast, is Wikipedia, uh, faroutmusic.com.uk, theguardian.com, and the book Psychedelia 101 Iconic Underground Rock Albums by Richard Morton Jack, published in 2017. Here we go r b singer Linda Jones releases the 45, Hypnotized. Sonny and Cher released the 45, Plastic Man, back with It's the Little Things. The West Coast Pop Art Experimental Man released a cover of Frank Zappa's Help I'm a Rock, back with Transparent Day. r group The Fifth Dimension released the 45, Up, Up, and Away. It's a good song. Los Angeles the Doors released the 45 "Let My Fire back with the Crystal Ship. The Doors performed "Let My Fire on various television shows, including the Ed Sullivan show. They were asked by producer Bob Pritchett not to use a lyric higher during the line, Girl, We Couldn't Get Much Higher, due to its probable drug reference. They agreed and rehearsed it as Morrison would sing. Girl, we couldn't get much better. During the live performance, Morrison s- sings original unchanged lyric. As Jim Morrison leave- left the stage, Sullivan didn't shake his hand. <laughs> so, this is a picture of the Doors. Um, the popular rock band in the 60s, 70s, LA band. The Doors. There it is. Yep. Let's see. Aside from the glare again, and the the, the the back is Jim Morrison. The doors. I love the doors, man. Okay, move on. The big thing were formed in Chicago, Illinois, in 1968. They changed their name to the city's transportation system for which they were formed, the Chicago Transit Authority. <laughs> they were a band that combined brass with rhythm instruments. The band was formed by the th- three brass players, Lee Lug- Lugnane, I can't pronounce his name and I apologize for that, trumpet, backing vocals, James Pankow, trombone, backing vocals, Walter Perizator. Saxophone, flute, backing vocals. The other members include Terry Calf, guitar and vocals, Peter Satara, bass guitar and vocals, Robert Lamb, keyboards and vocals, and Danny Seraphine drums. Great band, Chicago. I mean that, well, that's what they became as known as Chicago. because um, the transit authority was too long, so he stuck with Chicago. And uh, yeah, that sounds like a winner to me. This is a picture of them too, uh, Chicago. Whether or not this is '67, I don't think it is, but Chicago. My favorite member is Terry Kath, the guitarist and the vocalist, which is right here on the far, uh, far right, there. I think it was kind of pointing at him. Um, he has a great voice, almost as, as soulful as Ray Charles. And you would think it's Ray Charles singing, but it's it's him. Great guitarist, too. In fact, there's a story about Jimi Hendrix. Uh, caught them in a, in a show and backstage told them that, hey, the guitarist is better than me. So, how my person, Jimi Hendrix, for you? <laughs> okay. Here we go. Newly formed band Traffic from Birmingham, England released their debut 45, the Middle Eastern, the Middle Eastern, excuse me, influenced Paper Sun. Traffic was formed by Steve Winwood who had previously left the Spencer Davis group. Traffic combined sounds such as psychedelia, jazz rock, jazz fusion and folk rock along with some Middle Eastern influences as well. Members of traffic were Steve Winwood, vocals, keyboards, guitar, bass guitar. Dave Mason, vocals, guitar, and bass, guitar, and sitar. Chris Wood, flute, saxophone, and, and Jim Capaldi, vocals, drums, percussion. And this is a picture of Traffic right here. Great band, one of my favorite bands. Steve Winwood, legendary musician that he was.
1: Here they are, four-piece band. There's Steve Winwood. Paul Inves Wigler.
0: I think on that. So, Got to find a way to make this better because it's not. Okay. Continue. I lost my spot. Okay. May 1st, Los Angeles banned the association, released the 45 WINDY. Uh, May 5th, British band The Kings released the 45, Waterloo Sunset. May 5th, The Jimmy Hendrix Experience released the 45, The Wind Cries Mary, Back With Highway Child. Uh, May 11th, Berkeley, California's Country Joe and the Fish released their debut album, Electric Music for the Mind and Body. Formed in by Country Joe McDonald, who spent three years in, in the Navy. In 1962, McDonald enrolled at Los Angeles City College as he began the slowly venture to Berkeley. Mid-1965, he formed a duo with guitarist Barry the Fish Milton. McDonald and Milton both became folkies who wanted to get involved more in rock and roll. It was around this period when they teamed up with guitarist organist David Cohen, bassist Bruce Barthol. And drummer John Francis Gunning and John Francis Gunning informed country Joan Joe and the Fish, the band. As the band began rehearsing for the album, they decided to replace drummer John Francis Gunning with Gary Chicken Hirsch. <laughs> uh, songs from the album include Flying High, Not So Sweet Martha Lorraine, Dev Sound Blues, Happiness is a... Poised Mouth, okay, which was about McDonald's first LSD trip, the psychedelic instrumental, Section 43, Superbird, Love, Bass Strings, The Masked Martyr, and Grace. Superbird was a song written about President Lyndon Johnson. Grace was a tribute to Jefferson Airplane's Grace Slick. Hit Parader Magazine was enthusiastic about the album, stating that it was insanely groovy, concluding with everything they do is dynamic and penetrating and really swell. That's so swell. How swell is that? The swell album. It's a pretty good album. I have the vinyl of it, and this is the cover. And the cover kind of shows them light, like, on stage, and it shows, like, the psychedelic lights in the background, which kind of, kind of does give you an idea of what a concert then is like in clubs and stuff you can tell if you can see the picture let's see i'm a various pictures of them playing live before four pictures okay moving on folks may okay May 12th, British band Tomorrow released the psychedelic 45 My White Bicycle. The song features back-masking effects such as a backwards guitar and cymbals. Lyrics to the song was often misheard as some listeners claimed they were singing My Wife's Bisexual. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, drummer John Twink Outer states the following. The song was inspired by the Dutch provost and An anarchist group in Amsterdam Which instituted a bicycle sharing system They had white bicycles in Amsterdam And they used to leave them around the town And if you were going somewhere And you needed to use a bike You just take the bike And you go somewhere and leave it Whoever needed the bikes Would take them and leave them when they were done <clears throat> May 12th British band Proko Harum released to 45, a wider shade of pale. The song became their most popular song and became one of the anthems of 1967 Summer of Love. The song reached number one in, America, in a number of countries. This, the song features a Bach-derived instrumental melody, soulful vocals, and unusual lyrics. The song's music was written by pianists and vocalists Gary Broker, who had passed away uh, earlier this year, rest in peace, Mr. Broker, and organist Matthew Fisher. The lyrics were written by Keith Reeb. The song is in moderate time in C major and is characterized by the bass line moving stepwise downwards in a repeated pattern throughout the song. In classical music, this term is known as a ground bass. Matthew Fisher plays a Hammond organ, which was called a Hammond. M102. There was some similarity in Fisher's organ line in John Sebastian Bach, Johann, excuse me, John, Johann Sebastian Bach's air from his orchestra suite number three, Bach works catalog 1068, the air on a G string. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Gary Broker commented on the composition in an interview in Uncut magazine. If you trace the chordal element. It does a bar, or two of box air on a G string before it veers off. That spark was all it took. I was I wasn't con- I wasn't consciously combining rock with classical. Just that box music was in me. And I'm going to stop there for a minute and show you a picture. This is Procoharam on Sage right here. This is I want to show this an example again of a psychedelic white show. And this is, of course, a British band, so they're, it doesn't matter. It can be America, Britain, whatever. But this is them on the stage right here. You can see the, the background here and stuff. Big band, Prokoham. And uh, the exact, I'm going to show you here, a clear picture of the band. This is them right here. Robin Trower was a guitarist. That's Gary Broker right there. And I believe that's Matthew Fisher. And uh, hold on. Uh, Robin Trower, I believe
1: is up there on the top
0: right here. I think that's him. Broker Again, Gary Broker uh, passed away earlier in the year. I think he had cancer. let's um, continue wait here's an article I want to read so I'm going to jump to an article now found on the guardian.com website um, pull it up here I'll read it uh, I'll the okay it's titled with a wider shade of pale Gary Broker accelerated POP's Future at Warp Speed by Alexis Petridis. I'm probably getting his name wrong, and I apologize for that. Recording in 19, Recorded in 1967 and instantly acknowledged as a classic, Proco Harum's strange masterpiece was an unrepeatable piece of popular magic. And this is written Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. Pop music moved at high speed in the 1960s, but even so, the story behind the song for which Gary Broker was always going to be remembered, almost beggars belief. It was taped in April 1967, the same month that the band who recorded it formed. They hadn't even got around to recruiting a drummer yet and had to use a jazz player, moonlighting at a session musician. A couple of weeks later, Paul McCartney was interrupting his first date with his future wife Linda in order to rush to the DJ booth at Soho's Bag O'Neill's Club. Bag O'Neill's Club, excuse me, demanding to know what the hell he was playing. God, what an incredible record, he subsequently ent- enthused. And John Lennon was informing a journalist friend that all current pop music was crap, except for that dope song, A Wider Shade of Pale. You hear it when you take some acid and whoa of course that was Lennon. Great writer, John A few weeks after that, it was the number one, a position it held until the middle of July. You do wonder how in incredulous Brooker broker must have felt. He had only stated started, excuse me, started Procurum as a last resort. He had left the minor RB band, the Paramounts, with the intention of becoming a full time songwriter, only to discover that no one wanted to buy the songs he had written. With lyricist Keith Reed, so he would have to sing them himself. And now here he was, less than two months later, on top of the Pops and feted by the Beatles as a Vanguard pop. A wider shade of pale caused so much commotion that the effect was this co organist Matthew Fisher once recalled being mortified after they were parachuted into a headlining slot over the Jimi Hendrix experience when we weren't one-tenth as good as him. Perhaps it was just as well he didn't know that on the other side of the Atlantic, Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys in the th- th- throes of mental collapse on the verge of abandoning his latest obus smile had taken a wider shade of pale as another signal that he was finished. I was so sensitive from the dramatic organ sound that I thought it was my funeral tune, Wilson later recalled. (laughs) It was one of rock history's great lightning and vital moments. A wider shade of pale was completely... um, Excuse me. Of the moment. The psychedelic era was all about opening new... Vistas of pop music, and if there was one thing everyone agreed on, it was that they had never heard anything like it before, while also harking the pop's recent past and pointing towards the future. Broker's vocal spoke loudly of the hours he had put in touring the r and clubs, belting out covers of Solomon Burke and the Impressions for the Nation's Mods. And its tunes allusions to Bach and its dense, elusive lyrics, open to wild interpretation, presaged the arrival of progressive rock. It spawned hundreds of covers to everyone, from Joe Cocker to Jackie Minto, Soul versions, reggae versions, jazz interpretations, disco versions, mock Georgian chant versions, as well as a little subgenre of British psychedelia populated by obscure bands trying to make records that sound like it. Meditations by and Meditation by my and Romani. Meditation my shy limbs are two examples prized by psych collectors. The chances of a band walking into a studio for the first time and immediately recording one of Rock's impermeable classics 10 million copies sold by the way, um, are incredibly slim. The chances of them Subsequently repeating that feat are almost non existent excuse me. Troco Harum certainly didn't, which isn't to say that the rest of their or or sorry pales in comparison. Their follow-up Hamburg was a fantastic song in its own right, which put off being audibly cut from similar cough to their first hit. Stately paced similarity, haunting, more imponderable lyrics, with sounding like a, car- a craven imitation. Their eponymous debut album was impressively varied, leaping from the southern soul-infused "Something Following Me" to the epic closer "Repent or Perjure." Getting that right. If they had included its accompanying singles. In place of some more whimsical filler traps, it might have been more regularly hailed as one of the great albums of the psychedelic era. It's actually a great album. I had the CD of it, so that's a good album. Anyway, Shine on Brightly from 1968 was patchier. and the, the sidelong suite in Hail, Twasin, I, twas I saw them pressing relentlessly forward into the prog rock era. It's Fox Music Hall interludes, bass solos, and ridiculous sitar company's spoken word passes suggested a band trying a bit too hard and it failed to even make the UK charts but the following years a salty dog was fantastic probably not kept its pretensions in check it was filled with superb songs not least the beautiful title track they proved surprisingly adaptable Matthew Fisher's organ was obviously a key part of their sound but when he left the band he subsequently sued for a songwriting credit on a wider shade of pale. They pivoted to a tougher, harder rock sound, leaning more on the talents of guitarist Robin Trower. It was a move, it was a move that suited Broker's voice on Whiskey Train on M- M- Memorial Drive. Harum were uh, recognizable as the man who made a wider shade of pale. When Trower left, they pivoted back to ornate grandeur. Their last consistently great album, 1973's Grand Hotel, was a heavily orchestrated exploration of the K and in, Inui. In the Thereafter, diminishing returns set in, although Broker and Reed were still perfectly capable of writing generally striking songs. Um, as strong as Samson from 1974's Exotic Birds and Fruit, 1975's late period hit Pandora's Box. But they didn't seem to know what to do when the musical climate changed with the advent of punk. Whatever the answer was, it definitely wasn't Broker's idea to resurrect the spirit of hell. T'was in, and I record a sidelong long three-part poetry, recitation said the music called The Worm and the Tree in 1977's Something Magic. Proko Harum broke up shortly after its release. That said, that the changing musical climate didn't do much to Depp Broker's musical career. His playing had always been revered by fellow musicians. A pre-fame Elton John never missed an appearance by the Paramounts at his local venue in Harrow, we we'll- squabbling at Broker's powerists on an electric piano. George Harrison got him to contribute to a succession of his post-Beatles albums, and he shifted neatly into a career as a blue-chip sideman, playing with Eric Clapton and Kate Bush, Ringo Starr, and Bill Wyman at the Rolling Stones. He reformed Proko Harum in 1991 and toured with them until 2019, releasing three warmly-received reunion albums, Throughout it all, Broker never escaped the wider shade of pale, no matter how loudly uh, f- 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 uh, aficionados rightly pointed out the greatness of less well-known Proco Harum songs. It never quite drowned out the sound of Broker skipping the light fandango, and watching best tale versions catch the last train from the coast. At one point, Proco Harum stopped performing it altogether. It's noticeably absent from the 1972 live album, but then then no good whatsoever. The same year, said the live album was released. Her reissue of a wider shade of pale was back on top 20. Nor did splitting up months after announcing their dissolution. Proko Harum had a reformed specifically in order to play it. A wider shade of pale had been a, voted the best British pop single of all time at the inaugural Brit Awards perhaps a wider shade of pale captured etc so perfectly that it succeeded transcending excuse me none of 1967's other big songs not even all you need is love or Pink Floyd's C.M. Lee play it was quite so evocative of a mystic of a mythic excuse me idealized virgin of the British summer of love of what the press took to calling the beautiful people drifting through London on a warm evening in a stone optimistic haze, which meant that whenever a film director or a radio DJ wanted a surefire burst of beatific nostalgia, they invariably reached for it. It turned up on upteen soundtracks everywhere from the big chill to breaking the waves. And in 2004, it was named the most played song on British radio over the last 70 years. Or maybe it was just a completely fantastic song, of the kind that takes an inordinate combination of talent and luck to come up with it, even once in a career. You can argue it's unfair that Gary Broker's musical legacy hinges on one song in the popular imagination. On the other hand, if you're going to be largely remembered for one song, you might as well be one like that. Um. So that's, that's it. That's it. There was some other stuff in there. I'm not sure that was that's it. Good good article. It's hard for me to make an eye contact with the camera because I'm using my phone for this and I'm trying to hold it up. So you know, anyway, let's move on.
1: Um,
0: okay. May 12th, the Jimi Hendrix Experience releases their debut album titled Are You Experienced. It was considered as one of the greatest debuts in rock music. The album features Hendrix's innovative approach as a songwriter and an electric guitar player. It soon established a new and direction in psychedelic and hard rock music. The album's title track features a backwards guitar and drum parts along with a repeated piano octave. The song is largely based on one chord. It has a drone-like quality similar to that of classical Indian music. Third song from the sun has a space-like theme. It contains interaction between Hendrix and producer-manager Chaz Chandler that slow down as if they were aliens from another planet. So they were singing, they were talking in like a slow down voice when you hear the song. The song also contains some of the greatest guitar playing by Hendrix. Another fact of, this, of about third song of the sun and it's from Wikipedia, was that it is considered as an early example of jazz fusion. Highlights from the British version of the album, an American version combined were Purple Haze, Manic Depression, Hey Joe, the Wind Cries Mary, Fire, Third Stone from the Sun, Foxy Lady, Love or Confusion, Are You Experienced, Stone Free, Highway Child, and Red House. And this is both This is both covers. This is the uh, British version of the album. Now, that producer, Charles Chandler, which I'm going to mention later on again, he um, was an original member of the Animals. The British band the Animals, and they kind of they didn't really they kind of broke up in a way, but reformed again. But some of the members quit, and um, he went on to produce Jim. He produced and managed for the Jimmy Hendrix Experience, and this is the this is the British version of the on cover. Okay, let me try to brighten up a little bit. It Looks kind of dark. I like the glare. Hold oh, on, I'm to try to do it better. I apologize. Oh, no whatever, that's Hendrix up there on top. Obviously no one's standing up. Um, this right here in the red shirt is bass guitarist, Noel Redding, Redding, and down there is drummer, Mitch Mitchell. And this is the American version of the album. Yep.
1: Jimmy Hendrix experience.
0: Are you experienced? Okay, not necessarily stoned, but beautiful. May twelfth, British band Pink Floyd play a concert at London's Queen Elizabeth Hall, titled "Games for May." The concert marked the debut of the use of the band's quadraphonic surround sound surround system. Okay. May thirteenth. Scott McKenzie believes the 45 San Francisco will be sure to wear flowers in their hair. The song was written by Mamas and Papas frontman John Phillips. According to Wikipedia, the single was used to promote the Monterey Pop Festival held in June of 1967. It has been called the unofficial anthem of the counterculture movement of the 1960s, including the hippie, anti-Vietnam War, and flower power movements. May 15th, American band Sagittarius released the forty-five. My World Fell Down. The band invited two musicians in to record with them, Glenn Campbell and Brian Johnston. Both Glenn Campbell and Brian Johnston replaced Brian Wilson on tour with the Beach Boys. Brian Johnston joined the Beach Boys full-time around this period. Glenn Campbell provides the lead vocals on the song. May 18th r singer Stevie Wonder releases The 45, I Was Made to Love Her. Uh, May 19th, British singer Petula Clark released The 45, Go Sleep in the Subway. May 19th, British singer Desi Springfield released The 45, Give Me, t- give me Time, Back With The Look of Love. May 19th, Glendale, California's The Strawberry Clock released The 45, Incense and Peppermints, which became a huge hit for the band. They're really only hit, actually. They're only a big hit. Um, the band disliked the lyrics to the song, and so they invited a friend, Greg Mumford, to sing lead vocals on this track. It became the band's biggest hit and one of the popular songs during the Summer of Love. May 19th, Eric Burden and the Animals released the 45 When I Was Young, back with a girl named Sandoz. The band was a reformation of the original animals, releasing hits such as The House of the Rising Sun. We've got to get out of this place and don't let me be misunderstood. Keyboardist Alan Price left and bassist Chas Chandler went on to manage and produce for the Jimi Hendrix experience.
1: Um,
0: The Monkees released their third album, Headquarters. It was the first Monkees album to feature Prominent instrumentation and songwriting by the group itself. May 25th, blues singer guitarist, um, excuse me, Albert King released the 45 Born Under a Bad Sign. May 26th, British band The Hollies released the 45 Carrie Ann. May 26th, the Mothers of Invention released their. Second like album called Absolutely Free. Wikipedia's overview of the album goes as follows. The album's emphasis is on an interconnected movements, as each side of the original vinyl LP comprises of a mini suite. It also features one of the most famous songs of frontman Frank Zappa's early career, Brown Shoes Don't Make It. A track which has been described as a condensed. Two hour musical. In the book Necessary, Necessity Is, former Mothers of Invention band member Ray Collins said that Absolutely Free is probably his favorite of the classic Mothers albums. Wikipedia's description of the music goes as follows. Classic People begins with a mock introduction of the President of the United States, who, along with his wife, can only recite the opening notes to Louis Louie. Louie Louie is often Interpolated in Zappa's compositions. Other examples appear in the Undermeat and Yellow Shark albums, among others. And when Zappa first began performing classic people around 1965, the words were set. Um, sorry, I lost my, lost my article here. Yes.
1: Um.
0: There was a in the tune of Louis Louis. The title of Brown Shoes Don't Make It was inspired by an event covered by Time reporter Hughes City in 1966. The reporter correctly guessed something was wrong when fastidiously dressed President Lyndon B. Johnson made the fashion Fox pass of wearing brown shoes with a gray suit. LBJ flew to Vietnam for a surprise public relations visit later that day. In the song "In the Song's America Drinks and America Drinks and Goes Home," Zappa combines a silly tune with nightclub sound effects to parody his experiences playing with drunken lounge music bands in the early nineteen sixties. Other songs recorded soon after that use the same kind of idea, including "The Night," including "On the Show" by the Rolling Stones, released in nineteen sixty-seven. My Friend by Jimi Hendrix, recorded in 1968, but released in 1971. And You Know My Name, Look Up the Number by The Beatles, recorded in 1967 and 69, but released in 1970. The track listing goes as follows. This is the track listing, y'all. I'm going to find it. Okay, side one. Absolutely free, number one in a series of underground oratorials. Plastic People, The Duke of Prunes, Amnesia Advice, The Duke Regains His Chops, Call Any Vegetable, Invocation and Ritual, excuse me, Invocation and Ritual Dance of the Young Pumpkin, sale Conclusion. Side two, the MOI American pageant, number two, in a series of underground oratorials. America Drinks. Status Back Baby. Uncle Bernie's Farm. <laughs> Uncle Bernie's Farm. Son of Susie Cream Cheese. Wow. Brown Shoes don't make it. America Drinks and Goes Home. I had a city of it. It's, good al- it's a pretty good album. It's funny. It's Frank Zappa. And this is the cover right here. I'm going to show it to you. Frank Zappa, the mothers.
1: That's Frank Zappa on the mustache. Good picture. Um,
0: okay. Moving on to May, baby. This is May. Wait, 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 wait. Again, cheers, folks. With, I'm the beer. I'm working nights, so it doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter, but I mean, you know, you know what I
1: mean. Okay. Oh, here we
0: go. May 26th, the Beatles released what many people call their masterpiece album, *Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band*. And uh, this is the famous cover. I'm sure you've all seen it before. But I'm, my job as a podcaster, I'm going to show it to you. Oh, by the way, I got a picture to show off. But well, this is the, I'm, the last one, I think. Aha. You know this cover, right? Again, I'm just hyphering glare. You know, when I do this podcast, you can pull them up my mind yourself. I'm not, not going to tell you what to do. I'm just saying, you know. You can do that and kind of follow, follow on, whatever. And that's the on cover. The best shot I can get the album cover. And lastly, before I go, this is the picture I want to show now, some of that concert that Pink Floyd held. They used their quantophonic sound, stereo surround sound. That's Pink Floyd in the 67. Well, I want to show that. Okay. I'm still like a And lastly, May 27th, Los Angeles band The Birds released the 45 Have You Seen Her Face? The song was written and lead sung by bass guitarist Chris Hillman. That's all I have for this first part of May. So, yeah, I want to have multi parts for this month. I want to have probably three more, possibly, but for sure two or three more, not, not certain, but we'll, we'll go there. Um, well, when the time comes, we'll go through it. That's all I have again. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the we're going to go in more in depth about that concert that Pink Floyd held on May 12th, 1967. At the at, at uh, it was where they used their quantifying stereo sound system for the first time, and what an amazing! treat that was I would love to take the time machine and go to that concert because that's an amazing show using that sound system now, I'm going to read one or two articles next week one article for sure the other one I want to talk more about the track listing of the concert so the thing is on Wikipedia I found a pretty good list on and description of like the concept of the songs and stuff so yeah I'm gonna, that's next week Floyd's quadraphonic sound concert. Um, an article I'm going to read about it, maybe two articles. Uh, hope you tune in. And uh, before I go, my next podcast is not going to be on YouTube, it's going to be only audio. So if you want to check it out, please do so. Uh, you can follow me on my YouTube channel, which is called again Music Facts and Figures, a podcast by Mark and Asil, or if you can listen to me on apps such as. The audio on apps such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. So if you like it, please follow me. I appreciate it. Um, I did the best I can tonight doing this podcast because I'm holding my phone up my face and I'm trying to read it and I can't really make solid eye contact with the camera. But I just wish there was an easier way to do this. And it probably is. I'm just not, haven't figured it out yet. So. But anyway, again, tune in for next week, audio only. I uh, hope you enjoyed this week, and I'll see you next week. Thank you. God bless, and good night.